and welcome back to Lady Parts, a fortnightly podcast looking at women's role in genre cinema, both in front of and behind the camera. Uh, my name is Amy. I'm Sophie. And today we're going to be looking at the very stylish, very cool Cold War thriller, Atomic Blonde. Ooh. <laughs> Beautiful. It's that like a little good. owl noise. We're, we're shooting late at night. We're shooting. We're recording. <laughs> we're recording late at night tonight, yeah. so... Um, it's becoming a thing, so be prepared for more delirious mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho, so in just a little bit of housekeeping, in anticipation of our next film, which is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which is the world's longest film title, um, we'll be live tweeting some classic Luc Besson films, uh, including La Femme Nikita, The Professional, The Fifth Element, which incidentally celebrated its 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary this weekend just passed and the horror trash uh lucy uh so subscribe to the newsletter or follow on social media for dates and times but first the news the news Since we're going to be talking about a badass action heroine tonight, we thought we might start with a trailer for another new badass action heroine. I'm just going to say, I crack up every single time you said badass. I feel like you're really trying to say ass. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't say ring to it. It, it doesn't, doesn't It doesn't work. It doesn't quite work. No, anyway. so carry on. Uh, Proud Mary stars Taraji B. Henson, who you might know from Empire or last year's Hidden Figures, um, as a hit woman whose life is turned around by a young boy she meets on a hit. It's directed by Iranian-Swedish filmmaker Babak Najafi and was written by Steve Anton, um, John Stuart Newman and Christian Swiegel. I'm just going to put it out there, the writer's... Do not inspire confidence in this film. No. Uh, so Steve Anton uh, worked on Burlesque. Yeah, he did. Which is gloriously bad. I do love Burlesque. I've got a very, very deep, <laughs> secret, soft spot for Burlesque. Me too, me too. Uh, John Stuart Newman works on Days of Our Lives, which I don't need to say anything more yeah. about. Yeah. And, and Christian Swiegel has actually approximately zero credits. So Some inspiring confidence. Um, I love the trailer, though. I really yeah. got excited by it. I think even more so than Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde, I kind of knew what I was getting, whereas this I was like, oh, these are all different things, but very familiar to me, and I'm excited by this. And the fact that it's, you know, um, Tina Turner's Proud Mary screaming in the background, I'm like, yeah, I can get on board with this shit. Yeah, it looks fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, it really looks like a throwback to a lot of um, the old... Um, black exploitation movies too, yeah, which makes yeah. me really excited because it's um, I'm a big fan of that genre and especially um, and there's been some really fun modern um, takes on that, particularly yeah. with um, Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino's Jackie yes. Brown, which is an awesome movie. So it'd be great to get kind of some shades of that in there. Yeah, um, and it's killer to have a black female superhero. Or action figure. Action figure, yeah. Yeah. No, I cool. totally, yeah, totally agree. And Taraji P. Hansen's awesome. I loved really her in Hidden Figures. She is uh, such a chameleon. Like, she is, yeah. Oh. She's got such such a diverse range of skills, and especially kind of, not, while this, I think this plot's one we've seen a bajillion uh, times before. Yes. Like, what we've seen of Taraji P. Hansen is, well, we know that she's got the chops to pull off the, the all the badass, awesome 
parts of this, but also the more emotional moments as we saw, especially with her and her daughters in Hidden Figures, yeah, okay. um, which was so beautiful and, and I think one of the kind of highlights of, of Hidden Figures. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be fun to see her kind of putting both of those um, those kind of character types together in yeah. Proud Mary. Definitely something going to see, but yeah, it's it's. I hope it's more original than the plot Maybe. Suggest. Suggest. Yeah. Uh, look, fingers crossed. I am, like I said, did not inspire confidence, but in saying that, burlesque, for all its terrible flaws, and there are many, it's a lot of fun. So, it's so much fun. It's I've got to say as well, like, my, so my sister and I have very different tastes in movies. <laughs> like, very aggressively different. Um, but burlesque was this movie that my sister and I saw at the cinema, like, three times. Oh my god. Um, because she was such a huge fan and she was going through a pretty bad breakup at the time too. Um, and it was just a movie that kind of inspired so much joy. So I've always got these happy memories associated with that movie. Even though academically I know it is garbage. Yeah, and I get the feeling this might be a little bit in a similar vein. Yeah. But with explosions. Which with I am explosions. always That definitely would have. And that definitely would have um, escalated. Um, burlesque. Burlesque would have been so much better with explosions. <laughs> Minimum three explosions. Holy shit. Yes. 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 I'm seeing it now. I, I, oh, I'm rewriting that movie in my head with explosions. <laughs> Anywho. Well, this um, podcast is us rewriting movies, essentially. Yeah. So <laughs> we're fine. I think we're fine. I think so. Um, but yeah, so all, it looks all good things. Um, coming straight off the back of Atomic Blonde, though, I find it timing-wise, it's really interesting. But at the same time, I'm like, screw this shit. We need lots of action movies with ladies. Well, I think it's... and it, I mean, I'll talk about this a little bit again later. Because, um, I mean, Charlize Theron did um, the Comic-Con panel on badass women this year. Because yeah. Comic-Con for the last few years has had a badass woman panel. And it was just her this year, which I thought was quite strange um really weak programming guys yeah um but she talked about like a lot of her kind of roles and stuff so it ended up being more of an in conversation and she talked in that about how mad the success of mad max fury road had helped them to get atomic blonde up because they were struggling and and it's a film that previously hadn't really had the legs for it um based on the fact obviously that it was a female driven action movie um, and I think probably... There's some amazing wordplay there to talk about legs. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think probably the fact that, like, it had that effect on Atomic Blonde for sure, but I think it's probably had that effect on a lot of movies. Oh, I reckon. And between as well, like, things like, between Mad Max Fury Road and now Wonder Woman as well, hopefully we'll start seeing a lot more female-driven action movies coming to the fore. And I think this, this to me as well, reeks of something that's been in development hell for a little while and has gotten up based on the success of other movies and the, and the very vocal interest from, um, from people about wanting more, a more women led, but especially like women of color led, um, led action films. Yeah. 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 It's exciting times. It's exciting. Yeah. And speaking of more, uh, badass action ladies, um, we've had our first look at an upcoming badass heroine-ish. <laughs> heroine? Yeah, let's go heroine. Yeah. Uh, iconic Marvel character to be played by Zazie Beetz. In Deadpool 2, she'll be playing Domino. Yeah, Which is super cool casting. Excellent casting. I think she's a really good fit. Not without its controversy, because what day would it be in Marvel? What universe if there wasn't some type of... <laughs> fucking controversy um but yeah Daisy Beats is now Domino in Deadpool 2 yeah and she looks awesome it's a fucking awesome photo it's I'm such really a good photo a really really just a really fun um yep. 
tongue-in-cheek photo. It took me a really long time. Less. Of Deadpool, exactly. Yeah. It's, it harks back to the first uh, look at Deadpool. Mm. Um, you know, Deadpool lounging on a bearskin rug in front of a fireplace, whereas this is Domino lounging on a Deadpool rug in front yeah. of a fireplace. It took me a good couple of looks to realise yeah, that so, it was Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I think it even took like, me seeing someone comment on it um, yeah. to even realise. Um, but it's terrific. It's such a fun photo. Um, and I really, really love the styling of her. The only issue I really have is her obviously airbrushed cleavage. Holy Jesus, those um, things are massive. Yeah, and not hers. No! And it, <laughs> it really... Oh, it reminds me It reminds me of the Kira Knightley thing with um, the King Arthur movie, which I yeah. think was called King Arthur. Yeah. Um, where Kira Knightley is, is flat as a board and she's very open about the fact she's flat as a board and then this poster comes out and she's got melons the size of her head Yeah, and it's the exact same thing it's this idea that somehow female action figures need massive boobs yeah well how else are people gonna how else are guys not gonna get up and go to the bathroom or get another beer during lady heavy scenes Amy oh, that's the now. real thing they just need some satatas um yeah, look, I find it disappointing, and it's also kind of, like, defying gravity. I hope it's a tongue-in-cheek thing as well. I hope they'll make a joke about it. I, I hope um, it's just super stylized for the program. Yeah, and I hope really. it's, like, a meta... I mean, cause, you know, the success of Deadpool is really based on the meta-commentary. Yeah. Um, I would love for it to be a meta-commentary. Do I think it necessarily is? Probably no. not. <laughs> Probably not. Um, Let's be honest, they're not great. Yeah, um, but but I mean, like otherwise though, I think her styling's awesome. I love I that they so reversed the um, domino colors for her. Yep, and that's really cool. Um, especially because she's a she's a black actress. Um, and having the white um, eye patch, I think, is really cool. Mm. As opposed to having the you know the, the white skin and the black eye patch, I think that's yeah. a really really cool take on the on the styling and an awesome. Awesome props to the makeup and costume team for that. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's a great um, kit, and it's not as far removed from the original Domino as people would no, suggest. No, not at all. Um, obviously, it is a, a race switch, but it works. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it works for the character. It does. Well. Yeah. But there's uh, no reason that character needs to be white at all, so... Oh, but but it, she's white in the comments. Yeah, you gotta be in the characters. I would just like also to remind everybody, Nick Fury was white in the comments. Uh, comics and yeah. nobody had this kind of drama. When well, he well, he'd been he had been made black in the in the Ultimate Universe, but he that was, was it. Yeah, but there was not the outcry. Let's, let's yes, be honest. It's here. true. No, it's true. Yeah, um, no, I think she's gonna be awesome. I've been loving her in um, in Zazie Beats in Atlanta too. So I'm really excited for her take because I think she's gonna bring a really interesting um, dynamic to the character. Mm. Um, and I'm excited to see how she is with Ryan Reynolds, actually, because mm. he can be... I find Ryan Reynolds a bit hit and miss. I agree. Um, he, he's the one but he was pony. Yeah, he is a bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, that said, I think he can do more emotional roles really well, too. Like, I actually love him in Definitely Maybe. Yeah, um, he was really good in that. And he was, he was actually really, yeah, good in that as, as, like, a single dad telling a story to his daughter and be, and that more kind of gentler take. So he can yeah. do it. He did tone it back I think he lot. likes, yeah, I think he likes the kind of more sassy, um, sassy, <laughs> sassy role. That's exactly the word yeah. for Ryan Reynolds, sassy, it's, yeah. He's it's, a sassy It's a very monster. feminized word, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, gender, I'm, no, <laughs> taking it back. It's all equal, um. 
But yeah, no, it's it's. I think he. I think he's probably more attracted to those sorts of roles. And, yeah. Um, but I have to say, I'm really. I think um, Zazie's going to be really great because she yeah. does have comedic chops, and so mm, that's going to yeah, hold up really well. Atlanta and stuff. And yeah. I think she's a great actress, and I'm excited to see what she does with it. Actually, really excited to see what she does with it. Yeah. Um, and it's a good timing as well because we were just saying before that it's um, that David Leitch is um, who directed Atomic Blonde is directing Deadpool two too. So. He's getting yes. a bit of a double hitter tonight. He is, and it's going to be good. I think it will be too. I'm yeah. excited. Awesome. Yay. So, bit of a change of pace now. Uh, moving into our final news item tonight, um, which involves American television and the future of primetime drama. Uh, popular network CBS has presented its slate of new shows for the new television season, and of the six new shows, All Star Men, and with five of the six of those shows starring white men. Um, during a panel at the Television Critics Association's Summer Press Tours, Senior Executive Vice President of Programming Tom Sherman was asked about diversity and stated, CBS has been so successful with broad appeal and we want to continue down that path. Can I put a pause in that? That phrase, broad appeal, I have so many thoughts that I want to come back to. You know that broad appeal is directly related to dick size. Correct! <laughs> That's my point. Uh, Broad appeal means white dudes. Yeah, and yeah. White American American dudes. American! Yes. Yeah, dudes. Correct. Um, He also said that while shows with female leads had been developed, they weren't felt to be as strong as the six shows picked up. Mm. Um, CBS Entertainment President Kelly Carl, a dude, just FYI, um, said that the network is making progress, but he also acknowledged that channels such as FX are quicker to launch series that promote diversity in front of and behind the camera. Just a quick side note on that, um, FX famously made a huge push um, after realising 88% of their shows were directed by white men in the 2014-2015 to season, and then in the 2015-2016 to season, 51% of their directors were men and women of colour or white women. Uh, John Landgraf, which is who is the um, FX CEO, stated that the former was a failure of leadership on his part and is the um, person who drove the change behind the camera, um, in particular by just encouraging showrunners to diversify and by getting people on his staff to recommend mm. artists, which I think is amazing and a really, really great thing. And shows how easy it actually is to do. Mm. Um, before saying, uh, sorry, before and Kelly Khan' reaction to that was to say that he wasn't really sure as to why um, FX was able to make that change that quickly. Because they as did we, it. Uh, just established, <laughs> they just decided to. John Langroff made a choice, um, and mm. A took. And I mean, Amy and I have this, so many thoughts. Oh no, we have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about this. But yeah, it's it's a decision, I think. Um, it's it's really interesting. You may have seen we posted on Facebook recently. CBS have launched an initiative to get female directors more involved with the network, um, and there were a lot of capitalized words and exclamation points, which is effectively what the reason FX was successful is they got in and they did it. Mm. They didn't put themselves up the front and show pony around saying, oh, we're going to make a concerted effort to blah, blah, blah. They just did it. Yeah. And they've demonstrated that it's not hard. They went from, what, 12% um, 12 percent to 51. To 51%. In a like, year. One year. Didn't take them initiatives. Didn't take them a mass amount of funding, to be government funding to be able yeah. to do it. And I bring up government funding because... 
Screen Australia at the moment has massive, and I'm not at all shitting on the initiatives that are coming out of this program, but Screen Australia have launched a specific initiative called Gender Matters to mm. help um, address um, some of the issues that Australia has um, with women involved in the screen industry, both film and television. And my, my concern always is with these initiatives is when the money runs out, so too do the initiatives. Yeah. The, the motivation to continue those initiatives runs out. FX have ably demonstrated that it doesn't take this kind of formal framework to get it done if you just do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's everyone knows people who are capable. Everyone knows that there are people who've missed opportunities based on race or gender or sexuality or whatever, whatever reason. Um, and and that's you know a big thing that he talked about in a press conference he did last year about this very issue was the fact that he asked people in his office to recommend people and they all did yes. and then all those all those people who were qualified got work which is how they took that number from twelve percent to fifty one percent these people are already there it's and not... they're not unqualified no this exactly thing, they have the experience they're not just not getting the next opportunity yeah exactly yeah. um. It's, I mean, we talk, I mean, we hear a lot about kind of glass ceilings and stuff, but I think this very much is one. Yeah. And it's a case where you associate everyone having the same opportunities, but they don't. No. And they don't because people just don't think. Well, they don't ask. And that's one of the reasons I I think this FX choice has been so good is because someone, well, the person at the top made the decision that it wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, and has, in the space of 12 months, mm-hmm. took it from, from 12% to 51%, which is yeah. insane to me. It is. And shows how easy this is. And the thing is, like, like, kind of like what you were saying before, all this stuff about initiatives and things like this, it's a press opportunity. It's not an actual opportunity. No, it doesn't address the systematic issues no. um, that underlie these these situations mm. um, and I, and again I'm not shitting on these initiatives they do provide an opportunity for um, women and people of colour that mm. they wouldn't otherwise have um, and certainly we're seeing those changes in Australian um, screen industry we're getting some amazing Absolutely, projects yeah. coming out of those initiatives that would never have gotten off the ground if it weren't for mm. them but that for me isn't some, isn't necessarily something to celebrate it's actually something to lament the fact mm. that we would never have seen these projects without these initiatives makes me really depressed yeah it is and it's it's yeah it's, it's just frustrating as well and it's, mm. it's this sort of thing as well because it working within an industry knowing that you've got through based on this initiative too when yeah. it never should have been the case you should have just been able to have had your voice heard had that opportunity mm. and been hired on a project because you were the right person for the job as yeah. opposed to having second guesses I guess about yourself potentially and that's the problem. it plants the seed of doubt that yeah. you've only got this because of this initiative you don't really have yeah the you're skills. token yeah and that is not nobody wants that no and that doesn't help anything it doesn't change that systematic issues um, which I said before um, it's interesting Gillian I saw a couple of years ago Gillian Armstrong at Byron Writers Festival was talking about th- this exact issue and she said you know when going through film school it's statistically it's 50 50 mm-hmm. men to women um and but once they graduate they'll enter the same festivals guys that win 
will get offered the next opportunity. Women who win have to find the next opportunity. Yeah. And she said that was her experience and that's the experience of every female director she's ever worked with. And I think that's so really telling of what what's happening and we talked about it when we were talking about Colin Trevorrow failing up. And, yeah. You know, um, I think FX have demonstrated that it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be comf- um, complicated. It doesn't even have to have a report attached to it at the end that no. shows your stats, but it's, you know, nice if you do. Um, it can just, it can be an internal decision, an internal policy that makes a change. It's yeah. easy to do, it's easy to implement, um, and it doesn't have to be hard. And I'm looking at Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy, pull your finger out, because it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. But also CBS has a, doesn't have the best track record, as we established a couple of weeks ago with the, um, with the pay gap stuff. Yeah. Um, and their treatment of female, um... Cast and crews mm. really shows where their priorities lie, and it's certainly not with women. Like, we're coming back, it is good to have these initiatives, and I'm excited to see what comes out of them. Um, in saying that, if these initiatives fail, then they turn around and say, well, at least we tried. Yeah, exactly. And that's not trying. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's not. not. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. And it's, and I mean, things like the Gender Matters initiative with Screen Australia is awesome, and especially because they are trying to tackle it on multiple levels. Um, but it's really, I mean, especially when you talk about something like Screen Australia, it's a bit of a different issue because it's a government body trying to encourage different sorts of things and different strands where at the end of the day it's production companies who are going to get the projects up. Um, And if production companies still aren't willing to hire female creators or are only doing it for the sense of being able to apply for For the the funding, funding, um, which is happening a a lot. It is happening very much. Um, A lot. (laughs) Um... And it's that's indicative of a broader problem as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But props to FX for you know getting it and getting it done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean they've and again like it. What frustrates me about this bit of news is that it's so easy. Like they've just FX has shown how easy it is. And in twelve months. In twelve months. And it's the same with the Tropfest thing we were talking about with the blind judging. You know they noticed that only ten percent of finalists were women, if that in any mm. given year, and then suddenly they go to blind judging and it's over fifty percent, and you're mm. like. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Come yeah. on, it's not... These are not hard changes to make. No. At all. And it's as well, it's about fighting people's, I think, um, um, inherent bias. Yeah. Which is which is a really hard thing to do, I know, but also... It's, 20, it. it's 2017. Just do it. <laughs> well, again, like, we were saying this about um, um, Sofia Coppola last fortnight about The Beguiled and about how much she avoided the kind of slavery um, conversation in that and having African-American characters in her film, which, again, understand why, but just fucking do it. Just hire a co-writer. Yeah. Bring someone else on board. Like, bring a black writer on board who can contribute more to the conversation and potentially make your movie better because it needed it. Well, this is where Mad Max Fury Road's an interesting example. George Miller acknowledged the fact that he wasn't going to be able to treat female characters well. And he got a female editor in to help. Yeah. Like, that's a conscious Not only just that, he brought a... um, I can't remember her name now, but he brought a feminist writer right, onto the set right. yeah. to be able to talk to all of them and to talk to himself about about the kind of writing and direction of the movie. Because it was like famously no script with Fury yeah. Road; it was all yeah. storyboarded. Um, so it can be done. I chose this life, and someday it's going to get me killed. Not today.
brought on. Expert in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Agent Gascoigne was killed last night. Did you know him? Enough to say hello. He had an atomic bomb of information. Find out who's hunting our operatives and trust no one. Central and Savage, Lorraine Broughton is the most elite spy in MI6. Is she? Yes. Yes, I'm <laughs> An agent who's willing to use all of her lethal skills to stay alive during an impossible mission. Uh, with the Berlin Wall about to fall, that rhymes, she travels into the heart of the city to retrieve a priceless dossier and take down a ruthless espionage ring. Once there, she teams up with the embedded station chief to navigate her way through the deadliest game of spies. Uh, Let's be confused with the Game of Thrones. Correct. Which is happening on a different channel. It's actually happening now. Yeah. Um, so directed by David Leach, who we mentioned, um, of John Wick. Heavily involved in John Wick as a stunty. Um, he also co-directed John Wick with um, Chad Stern. Well, uncredited. So it's ambiguous as to how much he actually co-directed, but he well, was involved in the direction. He was involved. Involved. Um, yeah. um, it's written by Kurt... Um, Johnstead, adapted from a graphic novel, The Coldest City, by Anthony Johnston. Um, and it stars Shalice Theron as Lorraine Broughton, James McAvoy as David Percival, Eddie Marson as Spyglass, John Goodman, Toby Jones, Sophia Batella, and Bill Skarsgård. Thoughts? Um, so, two, I've got two trains of thought, which I'm going to try and articulate as, um, as quickly and easily as possible. On the one hand, loved it. So stylish, so much fun, really, really fun and engaging movie. Uh, on the other hand, what a mess! <laughs> there were no emotional stakes. The plot was vague, if there was any. Um, I believe there was something about a watch. Oh my god! <laughs> Which is made doubly weird because David Leitch has uh, is a brand ambassador for that watch company. No! Yeah, so it's real product like that product placement has just been That's like so shoehorned in. But, um, yeah, so it was um, very sexy, very male gazy, which is a serious problem I had with the movie, actually. Um, and, ooh, you're disagreeing with me. Uh, no, not disagreeing, just different point. I needed less titty. There was so much tit. There was an awful lot of tit. Um, That's I, true. It's, I didn't mind the tit on the one hand, especially like in the opening sequence and stuff. That I was like, I thought it was a powerful. No, that that was the part that bothered me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. The rest of it I was fine with, but that opening sequence actually. Really oh no, I was more bothered by her like smoking in a chair and then just having tit tit her tit out. Well, like I at least thought I at least thought the bath scene was like the opening bath scene was. Powerful enough in the kind of the message of getting across just how bruised and, and fucked no, no, up no, her body was. But her doing her yes. makeup in the nude in London winter in oh, the yeah, no, 80s. That was, that's, that's what I said is afterwards, uh. after that. Because like, the original bath scene is what, like, literally that scene where she's pulled pulling herself out of the ice water. That oh, yeah, very, very opening scene. No, 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 what I mean is, like, I thought that was effective enough in showing how bruised and battered she was. But then her, like, doing her makeup and having a tit out, like, I was like, no, please Oh, see, that stop. whole sequence, I just went, you're in London in the middle of winter in the 80s. Yeah, you're cold. They had a, it was just, like, there was so many tits, like, all the time. And, um, anyway, so that's, um, um, irrelevant to <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on this. Um, no, I had problems with the male gaze issue, 
generally, but um, but generally speaking, I thought it was a really, really stylish, really fun original thriller. Yeah. Um, well, certainly it hits story beats that we know already and are very familiar with. It also made an effort to tell a different story. Um, as established, the cinema. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say that it's one of the first times we've had this sort of story with a female character, like not including souls. No, and this is this and... is this is a bit that I liked is mm. the fact it was a run of the mill action spy movie yeah. with a lady at the centre and of a it. female love interest and a female love interest and that's why I liked it mm. um, because that that it, it was Bond with boobs yeah. and as much Literally. as Shalice Theron so many is really advocating to be the next James Bond I'm like you cannot because your English accent is fucking horrible Oh, her act. <laughs> terrible. I was... But also, this movie's already done it. She's already done it. Yeah. They cannot cast her as Bond. So, right. sorry, that ship has sailed. And also, I don't really... I, um, I quite like Shelley's Theron, but it's also... You can't be every action no. franchise star. No, Shelley's. I have some Come notes. Come on, yeah. leave, no. leave it open to other people. That's right. But I think... She, yeah, I think she's terrific. And I oh. think she did a terrific job she with did this. did an awesome job. Um, and especially, I liked... This movie, A, didn't shy, oh, it didn't pull its punches, basically, with her at all, which no. is, a, which is a, which, which action movies with female protagonists can do. Mm, they have them um, fight women. And I very much, and I very, very, very much appreciate, appreciated that there was no sexual violence in this movie. Correct. Um, because I was concerned about that going in, mm-hmm. and yet the worst that... Um, we ever got was someone calling her a bitch than her like fucking shooting him in the face and be like who's the bitch <laughs> now? and I was like oh yes this is good yeah I, um, I agree but, it was really good yeah. not to have sexualized violence I think they may I have a problem generally with hyper violence mm-hmm. male female don't give a shit um, and I think they kind of went overboard with this to prove that they weren't pulling punches. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, a little bit. But in saying that, I did not not enjoy it. Like, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I winced an awful lot. And I like <laughs> it when people who get hit, get hit. Yeah. I like when they fall down. And there, there's a great fight scene where... Oh, fuck. This scene where she stabs the guy in the cheek with the keys. Oh, I Jesus love that. Christ. so good. I couldn't watch it until he pulled the keys out. I just couldn't look at him. I know. Anyway, but she was fighting him uh, in the apartment. And both of them have beat the living shit out of each other. And she stands up to take another swing and then falls over. Yeah. And I was like, that is the best scene out of this whole movie. because It was. It was so wobbly. It was so well done. Yeah. Um, and the fight scene, I think it demonstrates um, the director's uh, professional history as a stunty. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a stunt director and a stunt performer um, for most of his career. So he's got that uh, real attention to yeah. detail when it comes to action scenes and action sequences were amazing. The action sequences were amazing. And yeah. I like that it wasn't woman on woman violence because when women appear in action movies and it happens in every single fucking James Bond movie you've ever seen, it's the love interest fighting the female villain. Yeah. Every time. Bond usually gets a few licks in, but it's seen as un- distasteful for yeah. him to do so. So there's always another female to kick another female's ass. Yeah. Whereas this, it was, no, no, she's taken the hits. And it worked. Mm. It worked really well. Um, I think it did struggle a little bit with that style versus substance that yes. we talked about with The Beguiled. But... Like, I don't care about that when I watch James Bond, and I'm a huge Bond yeah. fanatic, and I don't... Bond is, like, candy. that has no substance and makes you feel really bad about yourself. 
Um, and this was kind <laughs> of the same. Um, and it was beautiful. Like, it was so beautiful. It was so well shot. That yeah. soundtrack, though, I just wanted to punch someone in the face because oh, I'm like, really? this is so bloated. It is, it's, it, it was it's trying to prove s- that it's in the 80s and you're like, It was heavily guys. stylized. It was. Um, and it was, I mean, there were certainly sequences I felt were more music video than movie. Correct, yeah. Um, and my biggest issue with it was that there was no real emotional stakes. Like, even, like, when um, um, Delphine was murdered by um, Percival, yeah. um, I should have felt more than I Correct. did. And I think um, the reason... And, it's, and again, I like, I theory back, about mm-hmm. that. Um, it comes back to your theory about the not like other girls. Yeah. They made Delphine too much like other girls. Yeah. And made her almost incompetent, so not valuable. But then, but then she proved herself, proved in that wrong end. in the yeah. end. Yeah, but it was that was not... Well, she I, wasn't on par with everybody else well, in that. No, it's, I think my issue with that actually was less... I don't mind her not being necessarily as competent as other people in the film, because obviously it was a film of hyper-competence. In some ways I liked it, because it, 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 um, you had that light and shade between her and Lorraine, and the fact yep. that Lorraine is obviously someone who's very, very hyper-competent and, and a very capable and skilled spy. And then you have someone like Delphine who's a lot younger and is still really just kind of... And isn't even a spy at all. She's intelligence, not a spy, yeah. and she's only kind of really um, chewing on the on the job. Still, she still hasn't hasn't you know. Um, she hasn't got a legs. Yeah, hasn't and hasn't commit really to anything. Um, I like that light and shade, but it was that we didn't. That was all told to us. We yeah. didn't actually see any of it, and. and it's that whole thing of, you know, show, don't tell. And, and especially in film, that's really important. And I think that a lot of Delphine was told to us. Yeah. Like, it's just... Um, and that was, I think, a lot of the film was told. Oh, it was all telling. But then it was also that occasionally it felt like you had, like, four people yelling at you different stories. <laughs> which is about... This, there were certain levels of incoherence, which took me a bit of time to untangle. Yeah. And, that's, um, think- and that's not a... It's not like a case where it's like, oh, this is a really complicated story and I don't get it. It's like, oh no, you guys haven't articulated this well no. in the visual language of this film. No. And that's a failing, both of the narrative structure they chose, which was that interview style, mm-hmm. which is huge for this kind of movie. Yeah. Um, and also the nature of the content, which is about, you know, double crossing, triple crossing, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, which again, in I think a probably a more experienced director yeah. would have been much more better articulated. Mm. Um, in saying that, though, as I, I, all of, I, I really liked all of... I think it suffered a little bit from the same as The Beguiled, where um, the characters on the page were very flat, but the actors held them Definitely, up really yeah. well. James McAvoy, I run hot and cold on him on a, every mm. movie is touch and go, and I friggin' fell in love with that guy. Yeah. Percival he was, was great. hilarious. Um, and Bill Skarsgård, who gives me the willies, his character was... I, I knew who he was in almost his entirety. And, and he, he's only on screen for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, he's terrific. He was brilliant as this we, yeah. um, East oh. German operative. Not even an operative, just a contact in East Germany yeah. who seems to have a lot of connections. Um, I think he was great. The big problem I had, I think, with the cast was it, it was Lily White. And <laughs> except for Delphine. And that, for me, is a, a problem for the period. Mm. Um, London, during that period, was not. 
Well, most uh, of Germany. Yeah. Well, Germany wasn't either. Mm. Um, particularly West Germany. Um, East Germany, yes, it was. But um, there, are, there are ways to make it more, I think, approachable in that regard. And, and it comes back to my point with the Beguiled is, you know, we're in 2017. We don't need yeah. to see Lily White productions anyway. You could have done it much more subtly than they did. No, um, but I I really liked it. I mean, stylistically, it is beautiful. Production design was great. Charlize Theron was not wearing eighties clothes. Um, no, <laughs> at all. There was zero eighties clothes in there. But I do um, want to appre- I do want to acknowledge that the great scene where she's um, you know looking through an apartment in really inappropriate clothes. She's wearing a miniskirt, knee high boots. Um, a turtleneck and a, a lady trench, not even a proper trench, a lady trench, and suddenly has to fight off like six guys and <laughs> even acknowledges herself. She was like, if I'd known it, uh, I'd be deceived. I would have dressed more appropriately. <laughs> and I thought that was really, they were very conscious of, I think they were very aware of what they were doing. And this is that, um, that argument we were having about Sophia Coppola, whether or not she's aware that she's choosing style mm. over substance. I think he knew. He he was making yeah, that choice. Yeah, I think choice. so as well. And I think he showed where his priorities lie as yeah. a director. And I don't, necessarily, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, I do wish, though, that there was slightly more... There was slightly more characterization. There's a lot yeah. of her brooding out a window in her underwear, which got a bit old for me after the first eight scenes <laughs> of it. Um, and there are emotional touch points that didn't seem to go anywhere, like no, the one with the, um, oh, I've forgotten, um, Gascoigne, Gas, Gas Gascoigne, yeah. um, that whole thing about him being a former lover, mm. that was very secret, and then suddenly he and didn't matter friend, anymore. And a former friend of Percival's as well, there's a lot of, yeah. uh, there's a lot of these kind of little plot points that didn't seem to really go anywhere, and I'm not sure if they're holding out for a sequel, or what their, kind of, their overall Maybe. goal is. Um, I, yeah, I mean, what, what did you think of Lorraine? What did you think of the actual character herself? Um, I, and this is where I come back to, I'm not as big of a fan as Shalice Theron as yes. Sophie is. Um, well, I can I'm, appreciate... I'm not a massive fan of her. I don't seek out her movies. I can appreciate what she did. Mm. Um, I don't think there was a lot of depth there. No. Well, she wasn't there for the death. No. No, it wasn't. It was about the boots and the kicks well, to the about, groin. And also, the, yeah, it was, yeah, it was about the fight scene. She, she, she did an amazing job. She's an amazing... And I've got to say, sorry, I know I just asked you a question now. Yeah. I'm, like, jumping in. But it's, um... One of the things I do appreciate in the casting of Shelley's Theron in these sorts of roles is that I believe she could kick my ass. Yeah. Like, I, I look at her. She's yeah. not a... She's, she's a... She's obviously a lean woman anyway, but she yeah. is, like, lean muscle. She is, And yes. I, yeah, I believe that if I was to meet her on the street, that if I, it's, I mean, A, I'm not good in a fight anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I believe, I definitely believe that she could kick my ass. And oh, I, I think watched so this and I'm like, I believe that you could do this. Yeah. Um, I, I think in terms of her character, um, and this is where I come back to the actor as opposed to, I guess, the writing I would say there's almost zero difference between Furiosa and her. There was not much. Really? Furiosa had more, I think, um, visible yeah. rage. And more motivation, I would say. More motivation. <laughs> but in terms of the way she communicated that, mm. it was the same. And that was that was Theron. That yeah. was the way that she communicates, I think. Um, 
the way she the way she acts for certain emotions. Like I've mm. seen her in the Cider House Rules and um, Monster. Joe Young and Monster. She has an amazing emotional range. Yeah. Unless it comes to a specific types, which is trying to be steely, mm. and then you can see her being steely. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be quite so hard. But in saying that, I go back to John Wick as the example because I think it's the closest in terms of style, mm. which is not surprising. Um, Keanu Reeves is the same. Yeah. You know, it's not all that different. So it didn't bother me all that much because it was the type of movie it was. I think if there had been more emotional depth from her, if she had risen to James McAvoy's level, because James McAvoy was out there. Yeah. Um, I would have enjoyed it more, but I did not like it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. fair. But I think Delphine, um, what was her name? Sophia, Sophia Batella. Yeah. Um, she was great. I think she's going to be a star, she's and I so hope huge. she is. This is like she's her third movie wonderful. this year. Yeah. It's crazy. She's terrific, and I'm really, um, and I think she's such a great actress. I think she's chosen some really interesting roles, yeah. and I hope that she keeps choosing him. I think yeah. she's doing so well. She's doing a great job. Um, I was... know, it's, you know, it's the second, in four episodes, it's the second movie as well that we've even reviewed her in, yeah. um, in The Mummy, which she was awesome in. Yeah. Highlight, easily she's the highlight of. Kingsman off, last and, year. And Kingsman last year, Yeah. yeah. I will say about Lorraine, uh, and this is again coming back to that spy trope, uh, the triple agent, that can die. I know. Die Thank you. I did not need that coda at the end at no. all. It's, and I don't know if they were expecting, I, I don't really know what they were expecting out of it. Like it was a, like it could have ended at the end of the interview. It could have, I, but it comes back to that. The, the trope, um, and I see it, I saw it a couple of times in some specific um, narrative points, like the car that comes out of nowhere to hit you when mm. you think the chase is done, um, the, you know, the god in the machine type stuff yeah. with all the spy work, and the triple agent is just a classic trope mm. that it's it's had its day, we're kind of done, I'm actually looking for hero, not even heroes, but I'm looking for less complicated spies. <laughs> Well, it's even, but it just was so, it just felt like it was there for the shock factor. Yeah, like, it felt for that, oh, that, you know, that moment. She tricked like, you all along. Yeah, it's like, so us kids, not over yet. Um, but it might, as you said, might have just opened the door for the sequel. Yeah. No, it's listed to hope explained her terrible accent, I guess. She was so I wanna I wanna think that it was intentional. Oh it was so but it was bad. So bad. It was I can't so believe bad. it was intentional. Um Yeah, look, I don't know, like it's she was as a character it just there wasn't enough there. But then as you said as well, like it's the same with like James Bond and with characters like that. It's yeah. and even I'd say Jason Bourne and, Jason, and definitely and yeah. people like that where it's they don't have to be much more than what they are on the page and and that's certainly what this is with Lorraine. Like I think I I just want more out of movies and I'd be saying that if we were reviewing. I think I yeah, said it when we reviewed Spectre last or a couple yeah. of years ago and then um, and I'll say it forever when we review these sorts of movies. It's just. Care about characters ten percent more. Ten percent. Just ten percent. That's all I'm asking. Like, just give me something to hold on to. Because I couldn't tell you two things about Lorraine as a character, really. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask you because I wanted to hear what you said about it. And that's and from everything that you said, you talked a lot around her character just then. This is and it. that's yeah. And it just, and I've just feels had a like thought. I've had a thought. Yeah. 
um, because I, we see it, you've mentioned Bourne, we've mentioned John Wick. Um, these characters are designed to solve a mystery and kick ass. Yeah. So they're effectively ciphers. Mm. And this is the, the kind of Harry Potter, Bella Swan cipher discussion where you've got this really empty central character so that you can pull well, yourself I disagree with Harry, but yes. And you so- and I will debate Harry Potter off air. Um, but Bella Swan, for example, yeah. it doesn't have a lot going on in terms of her own character mm. so that you can insert yourself in there because yeah, the characters no, that I remember yeah. out of Bourne the characters that I enjoyed out of Bourne were all the supporting characters yeah. it was the other assassins who you only saw for 10 minutes but they were so interesting yeah. um, and had much more I think personality than Bourne did mm. um, likewise well, with John yeah, Wick you know um, Alfie Allen's character had so much more personality than John yeah. Wick did um, the dog had more. Well, Alfie <laughs> Allen's also a better actor than Keanu <laughs> That's true. I wasn't um, going to say that. But you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. is that central. Even James Bond. Like, James Bond, you understand his motivation because it's James Bond. Mm. Not because I think the character gives us all that much from no. Daniel Craig. But, but but this is my thing. I think this is a problem in the genre generally. Yes. Like, it's... I want and expect more now like it doesn't it's, it's not enough for me like I need yeah, I agree. something else yeah. like it's I need to be able to tell you two things about a character yeah but that's um, why and, I, and it can't just be like that she kicks butt and also wears mean skirts and knee high and wears great wigs like it's they can't be the things that I tell you about a character and they had all these kind of implications of character with her but none of it well, none of it was enough no but all the supporting characters had stuff but no, uh, Percival, Percival, I saw much more of who he was. Like, I knew right, he was a James McAvoy's. Yeah, Delphine, I reckon you had a fair bit. And Merkel, I got a lot out of him. I mean, the rest of them, they were designed to be empty white men who yell at her. Um, yeah. Beat the living shit out of her. Um, but those characters are the ones that I'm going to remember because they had different parts. I don't think I'll remember any of the characters out of this. I think I remember scenes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In particular, the fight scenes, because the fight scenes were some of the best I think I've seen in years. Oh, they're amazingly choreographed. Um, yeah. So well choreographed and really diversely choreographed. I love that we got these kind of really almost professional, level, like very clean, professional fight scenes with her against the kind of the ill-equipped cops. Yep. But then against the actual down and dirty people at the end, they became scrappy and ugly and bloody and and there was there was such light and shade in the fight scenes that I wish had been brought to the rest of the film. I, I agree. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I think you see elements of her personality in the fight scenes, but it's never, as you say, it's never brought through the rest of the mm, character. Yeah, it's, and, and again, like, I just don't, I don't think that was in, I don't think any of the characterization was that good. I think actors brought a lot to roles. I agree, yeah. Um, I think James McAvoy was great as Percival, and in fact, the best he's been in a little while. I agree. Um, but it was, so much was picked up and then dropped really quickly that it was hard to... And kind of what I've, what I've been saying um, all along is in terms of the kind of the weird um, lack of cohesion in the plot, mm. it felt like they were making things really complicated for the sake of making it like a complicated, intense intellectual thriller without yeah. actually being like, oh, actually what makes complicated 
intense emotional thrillers is make a giving it any sort of stakes because there was there were no stakes in this no. movie really no like it was basically kind of like there was a thin bit of plot between fight scenes no uh, and they were, and they were great and very very well stylized and I loved those and fight great, scenes beautiful sequences yeah man but great beautiful sequences and the and the performances were good and stuff but the actual narrative just didn't really hold there was no real narrative no like I said it felt like a, it kind of felt like a long music video in some ways I agree um, yeah yeah. Uh, and again, there's nothing actually wrong with that necessarily. I just wish it had been slightly better because I think that um, everyone kind of deserved better, and I think this character deserved better. I think maybe. I have a question. Yes. Is the char- is the stuff deserving better? Are we deserving better because it's a female action movie? Are you oh, making the sure. same demands of John Wick? Well, I don't see. I don't go see John Wick. So, like, it's... So, arguably, yes and no, I think. It's... I don't go see male-led action films anymore. Mm-hmm. So... And I haven't for a long time. So, um... Unless it's a Marvel movie. Trash. <laughs> Sorry, a Marvel trash. Um, but... Because yeah, I look like, at... I look at the movies that have done well. Like, John Wick did ridiculously well. Mission Impossible yeah, I haven't seen is John Wick, so still getting better. John Wick, they kill a dog in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, Which I makes that. me very angry. I've seen all the memes. <laughs> oh my god, so angry. Um, and a girl gets fridged. So it is the most run-of-the-mill action movie you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. It's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And this is where I keep coming back to it, Atomic Blonde, because there's so many parallels. But then with Atomic Blonde, there's also Bourne. There's also Mission Impossible, I reckon, a yeah. lot of that in there. And that's where, I, with, when you were talking about the unnecessary plot points, I thought immediately of Mission Impossible. It's We're doing plot yeah, points Impossible to be awful. clever, yeah. not because it makes narrative sense. Yeah. And that's where the God in the Machine, all of that starts popping up, and the red herrings, and the, the triple agents, and the cars that appear out of nowhere. Can I tell you how annoying I find that? I know. It's the worst, worst sequence ever when they yeah. do that. Or, or there's a chase scene where suddenly the person who's chasing you is on the other side of the country and punches you in the face. Yeah. Which It's just... Happen. Yeah. But it's, it's exhausting. Well, that's where I, I wonder if our demands, particularly as women watching these action movies, are higher. Whereas if I go watch John Wick 2, which inevitably I will, because um, I do watch those movies, <laughs> um, I, I know exactly what I'm going to expect get from it Mm. and so my expectations are very low yeah look for sure like I'm sure oh I don't know man like my expectations are changing for movies all the time yeah um and especially these days because I'm getting more and more time poor as I'm getting older I find my tolerance is getting lower in that sense because it's just like why would I waste my time on something that's lazy? Yeah. And to be fair, I don't, I don't think this movie was lazily done. I just don't think it ever hit its potential. And I think mm-hmm. what's frustrating for me, frustrating to me about Atomic Blonde is that I can see the potential in it. Yep. Is and that a so, failing? And, it's, and, the, and the thing is, it's so close. I think that's a failing of the, really, of the director. You know, he's inexperienced as a director. I just think um, it was a failing of the writing. And of the writing. That was going to be my second yeah, thing as well. Yeah, I, I think, I think the script... And the script, source material. Yeah, well, I think the script is what let it down. I think the script was this... 
And again, look, it, well, there's something that's telling there, basically, that, that I think that there was unnecessary convolution, yeah. which didn't need to be convoluted. Yep. Um, it had my personal pet peeve in movies, which I think I've talked about in this podcast before, but I had the beginning and the beginning and the beginning, oh, which yeah. I fucking hate. <laughs> there is no faster way to turn me off a movie than that. And then this had the beautiful... Um, 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 bookend of it, which I haven't seen in a while, which was the ending and an ending and an ending. And I'm like, yeah. tell me when the movie's over! It had the usual suspects ending. Oh, I hate, oh, I hate the usual suspects. <laughs> That's a different story. I fucking hate that movie. Um, oh. <laughs> she lost her train of thought. I'm so yes. sorry. Um, but like, it's, I think there was a letdown in the writing. I just don't mm. think it was there. And it's, or as good as it should have been. Yeah, and and, and the thing is, you watch a movie like this, and what's frustrating is when you watch a movie and you see what it could be. Yep. And it's like, oh, this could actually be pretty fucking amazing. It could. Uh, with not that much change. Changed. I agree. Um, yeah. Look, I definitely think I'd watch it again, but it's one of those films, like John Wick, I will never watch again because it has a puppy murder. Um, it's really upsetting. And then he he gets a dog at the end, and I'm like, you just replaced your dog in your car, and the world is better, and that's not how that works. That's not how that works. It's a dog-shaped band-aid for his dog-shaped wound. Don't you listen. My dog's sitting on my lap at the moment. (laughs) Very upset. Disclaimer. Um, She's half asleep. She's got no idea. She knows. Um, Like, John Wick, I don't have to watch again. John Wick 2, I will watch, just because Keanu Reeves. Um... But this I would probably watch again because it is it is beautiful. It is, it is such yeah. a stylish movie, and it's consciously stylish. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think uh, as much as some of you were talking about some of the shots and sequences you weren't convinced by because it felt too much like a music video, I actually really liked some of the frenzied um, shots. It was oh, trying to really yeah. um, be evocative and provocative at the same time. Um, I think setting it during the, the tearing down the Berlin Wall was a bit too contrived. Mm. Um, I feel like they were trying to say something about that that they failed to communicate. Yes. Well, <laughs> as established, I think there's a lot of deeper thinking. No. And I look, what I was saying about music videos before as well, it's not the frenzied stuff. To be honest, it's like the slow-mo her putting the wire up while she's in her fucking underwear. Oh, I need some music. And it's like, also, and also if, I see, if, I see that, if I see that scene in a spy thing one more time in my life, I'm going to just, I'm gonna implode. Really impractical in, underwear too. Just it's in every spy thing. There is, is a scene, a sexy scene of the villain or the lady spy putting a wire up her fucking undies. Like it's, no, it's practical. I no, I will say this for her because the question always is, where do you put the tape? And she has tape places built into her underwear. It was amazing. Yeah, but also, when will we will we ever get a scene of a guy fucking doing that? Yeah, no, we no. Don't. never. It's like it's so exhausting, especially as someone who like watched Chuck and was a pretty big fan of Chuck. Especially like the amount of times we got Yvonne Strahovski doing that in that yeah. show was like at least like once every three episodes, and it's and it's in every movie of this sort of it's genre. And, it's and she's wearing lingerie too. She's not wearing underwear. Yeah, I'm she's sorry, if you beat the living shit out of someone, you're not wearing a g-string. You're wearing Aren't granny you? panties. I'm telling yeah. you, as someone who just punched people for an hour, you're wearing granny panties. <laughs> Tell me. Well, it's just it's bizarre to me, and it's like, and it's even like with Sophia Boutella at the end, it's all like she, oh, she gets yeah. murdered in her underwear, yeah. and it's like, 
Why? Do people think that we pack in our underwear in like Berlin in the winter? What's this is when Wait, it is too cold for that shit. And her window was open, which is how she was back before I got in. So maybe the Berlin winters are secretly like forty degrees Celsius. Who knows? <laughs> With fake snow. And she said like a then her weird like leotard lingerie leotard. Like what's the The lacy leotard? Was she getting yeah. late? Like was she planning on checking this out the rain point. later on? Like what was happening? This is my it's, point. It's impractical. It's particularly just for spies. I don't know, that's awesome. I'm like, this feels like a music video now, because you've got, yeah. like... But it was. It was an 80s music video. Yeah. But not quite 80s. Pseudo 80s. Yeah, because only, only one song of those came out in the 80s. Oh, man. That's been the big controversy. Have you not seen that? It's I have not read that, but that makes very total sense. Controversial. Yes. Everything else. So only, yeah, I nearly cried like during Pressure. Oh, only because I was freaking great. love that song. Me too. Under Pressure so is a good song. Anyway. Um, in terms of other lady characters, though, there are none. No. Uh, oh, wait, there's the two girls that James McAvoy is sleeping with. Yeah, and uh, there's the, the mum and spy glasses. That's right, spy wife, and, wife and daughter. daughter. I was genuinely afraid they were going to get fridged. Me too. Um, well, we don't know they could have been, we didn't see it. Well, no, they got, they got John Goodman. Oh, that's Without true, them. John Goodman. Yes, yeah. they got John Goodman. I do like John Goodman. <laughs> I do like John Goodman. Um... But, but yeah, not a lot of wasted as well. He was, but that was part of the red herring yeah. setup, um, and the god in the machine setup. Um, yeah. I think there could have been more female if if it was so acceptable for Lorraine to be an exceptional agent. There could have been more women. Yeah. Um, and I come back to that thing of guess who does all the secretarial work, you guys? Yeah. Um, there could have been a few more stronger female characters in there, but. And it would have been great to have, like, a female mentor or something in there. Like, it's... Like, even John Goodman's character being a woman. Like That's it. No... Or even Toby Jones's but character. It's... But, as, again, we've discussed in this podcast before, is the fact that the default's male. And it's a white male. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. The default's a white dude. And it's like, why? Yeah. And yet, always, yes. Entirely. Entirely. It's like, it's, again, like, it's, this is all making it sound like I'm really negative on it, which I'm not. Like, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed my, um, you know, two hours in the cinema with it. It's, um, I just had, I just wish it was better. Yeah. I wish I'd, le- I'd left loving it. Yeah. Um. I agree. And there were things that I loved within it, and there were things that I really didn't like within it. So, Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested to see if they do do a sequel. Um, I think it's left itself open to it, and I think it's established itself well. It's done pretty well. well. Um, so, but in saying that, I don't think I will like a sequel. No. I, I think I'm happy with what we got. Because yeah. as soon as they move into the 90s, that's going to be weird. Yeah. They're pretty close to it. They are. They are. <laughs> and it'll, it'll be about the Russians, because that was the 90s. Yeah. So, that's going to be boring. It will. It's true. Anywho... Boy bits, boy bits. Kind of talked about boy bits. We kind of have. We feel like we're not doing very well. There was actually a lot of superfluous male characters. There were, yeah. Like the watchmaker, yeah. Mm. Didn't even know his name. And especially it was Till Shriver, who was like obviously right? is, is a relatively successful actor. But again, I think that might have been part of the red herring thing. Yep. About hiring, and I I do kind of like that as a as a directorial trope about hiring like really established ca- actors for like very minor roles it bothers me because I give them attention really? I it, it's the Harry That's Potter the thing I'm That's like nah. point. nope 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 it's nope. great um and the lover I think the love interest um that again was there was a lot of weight placed on that character with not a lot of um payout yeah no I agree um but I think 
I mean, the male characters were interesting for me. Again, I think there was just too many. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. Um, again, James McAvoy was really good. Um, so good in it. But also, I think he did a lot with quite little. Yeah. Also, his character is stereotypically every East German spy native thing that I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it was all it was very trope heavy the whole movie. It was. But I, again, it's one of those things where I feel like they're like, let's make a movie that's really easily identifiable so that guys feel comfortable seeing it, but and it'll make us money. Yeah. And you're like, no, we need new and interesting. Yeah. They don't want to take risks, too big risks. We've already got a risk with a female character lead. Let's start not have too many risks with the plot. Yeah. And a female love interest. And a female. That was cool. I it really was cool. do appreciate that. I do. I did as well. And especially, I was worried initially too, because obviously they have their saucy sex scene, and I was like, please don't just make it this thing. And but then they actually, as far as emotional depth in that movie went, that was about as emotionally deep as they yeah. got. Um, so they devoted some actual time and interest to their relationship, yeah. which I thought was great and really made me very happy. And they set that it up we really got, well. Yeah, and it meant that I didn't feel as bad for enjoying the very sexy um, sex scene in it. It too. was super sexy. It was super sexy. It was very male gazy. It was super male gazy. Yeah. Bechdel test. Yeah, it passes it. It passes it. Mm, it does. Quite well. Yeah. Uh, on all four points, mm. which is really good. I think that's the first this year. Yeah, I think it might be too. <gasps> oh my goodness. Gold star. Uh, sexy lamp. Well, we could have put Delphine. Delphine could have been a sexy lamp. Mm, but can a sexy lamp take photos? Because that was a pretty key point. Plot point. Maybe not in the 80s. No. Now <laughs> yeah. it can. <laughs> I think it tentatively passes that too. Okay. Well, that's, again, the first movie that has passed both those mm. points. Well, that's it for Atomic Blonde, then. Yeah. Well done, team. It was very entertaining. And very neon. So much neon. So much neon. So much neon. So, well, that's it from us for now. Um, we'll be back in two weeks to discuss the latest in women and cinema news and to talk about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, in between now and then, as we mentioned, we will be doing a Luc Besson uh, retrospective of sorts. Of sorts, yeah, mini one. Yeah, mini one. Um, featuring lots of ladies and lots of special effects, actually. Um, and we'll give you more information about that in the E! News, which will be coming out shortly, or on our social medias, which is Lady Parts Podcast on Twitter and Lady Parts Podcast on Facebook. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on said social medias. Yes. Yes. And you can yes. find me at Insomniac's Cafe. And you can find me at my name, Sophie Overit. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad we enjoyed that movie. So, I was yeah, so a bit I. apprehensive about life. Oh, gosh. <laughs> after the Bagard, it made me really depressed afterwards. Yeah. Well, anyway. look. Well, Valerian, I'm sure, will make us all feel ourselves, so. I'm so not looking forward to that. I am really looking forward to it. So it's going to be hilarious. It'll be hilarious. I, I feel good. I feel good about it. It's going to be very blue. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I need to well, I, I like weird, and it looks weird. So. It does look very weird. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, that guy creeps me out, though. Diane DeHaan. Yeah. He looks like Leonardo DiCaprio when he was young, but also if he was very old. <laughs> How dare you? Leonardo DiCaprio was a hottie. <laughs> yes. You know I like him weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> Both on screen and in real life. Yeah. Well, look. And on that very happy note, let's uh, leave it there. Yeah, we? let's leave it there. 
Uh, see you next week or fortnight. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> I don't know why he gives me a serial killer face.